Ah, ah, well, here we go. Hello, everybody. I'm Maxwell, but you know what? Doesn't matter. I've got a story for you. It's a wonderful story full of goodness. The kind that gives you the warm and fuzzy feelings. Here, we're celebrating and thanking the incredible support given to Cancer Central. A true collaboration of minds and passion. Cancer Central exists thanks to over 70,000 donated hours to date. Volunteer time from over 300 individuals and 60 organizations. Their mission is to help people affected by cancer find the support and information they need for free. The book, Tech, Treats and Treasures, was published in June 2022. A feel-good book full of fun, technology tales and words of encouragement. Over 80 remarkable leaders sharing their insights and advice as a fundraiser for Cancer Central, helping to keep the site free from advertising <laughs> and messaging charges. This podcast series celebrates the book and their stories and golden nuggets. Now, I'm going to hand you over to Avril Chester, founder of Cancer Central and the narrator of the book. In this particular episode, like many others, it could be number one or ten or fifteen. Okay, she's going to talk you through Tech Treats and Treasure's purpose um, and all the wonderful things all the people have given us. Ah. So, once upon a time. Chapter four, Boost. I'm in a tizzle. What a tuzzle. All is a fizzle. What a fuzzle. Poem by Avril Chester. Are you out of sorts? Flat as a pancake? It doesn't have to be triggered by something big. Could be your program funding has been pulled. Your product launch didn't quite hit the mark. You sent an email you didn't mean to. Or the weather. The weather. Lots of dark grey drizzle. We all need a little pick-me-up at times and a smile and a motivational moment. So I hope this chapter does just that. And there's no better way to start than to hear how people are making a difference, like the amazing and inspirational Azechi. I've always loved technology. It was the power to create whole worlds that attracted me to it originally playing arcade video games as a child. At my local swimming club, I was inescapably drawn to the colors, the action, the pure creativity and imagination on show. So it's no surprise that when I could, I learned how to program and I've never looked back since. Learning to code took me from a failed A-level student to a coder in an investment bank, to a FinTech founder, to an investor in startups, to an MBE. It's safe to say that technology leveled me up dramatically. These tech skills are what have enabled me to succeed in the way that I have, but I love how it's opened up doors for others also. At Code Untapped, we run hackathons where the aim is to showcase the skills of diverse and underrepresented technologists by partnering with companies and giving the companies the chance to see these diverse techies in action. Over the years, we have run many of these events, but one always sticks out in my mind. One of the hackathons that we ran was for the Department for Education, DFE. The focus of it 
was to provide a more suitable portal for teachers who are searching for jobs. The event we ran was a one-day hack and we had over 30 people from all sorts of backgrounds turn up. Each team had to identify the core ask of the day, think of a solution, put together a prototype and pitch it to a judging panel with the prize being that the winning team would have the opportunity to take their idea and pitch it to a panel of senior managers from the DfE at its head office near Westminster Abbey. The winning team did an excellent job pitching their ideas. But the surprise came when we started speaking to the team about the background. Incredibly, one of our finalists was a Korean nurse who had never spent a day coding before. He'd found out about our event the day before the hackathon, decided to join at the last minute and couldn't believe that he now had the opportunity to pitch a tech idea in Westminster. I like to think that he is now busy working on his next idea and getting ready to pitch for investment funding with a view to going global. This is the true power of technology. The ability for normal people to take ideas and turn them into an actual product with the potential to reach a worldwide audience. Technologists are modern day alchemists. Instead of lead, we take ideas and turn them into gold. Sometimes those ideas fail. But that's the great thing about tech. There are always more ideas, always more code that can be written, more technology to create. I hope these stories inspire more people like our Korean nurse to learn to code and to become technologists. I can't wait to see the future that they will create. As H.E. Britain, MBE. From developer to co-founder and CTO, a serial entrepreneur and VC, it's been quite a journey. I love that. Sometimes those ideas fail, but that's the great thing. Let's keep giving ourselves a boost and hear how Dr. Jackie came to focus on a world in which we leave no one behind. I'm sharing part of my technology career journey and what led me to create the technology for the empathy economy I founded. To enable a world founded on inclusion, a world where we leave no one behind. I'm Dr. Jackie Taylor, I'm CEO and co-founder of Flying Binary. And we are a company founded by two engineers who have pioneered the web science and the engineering needed to build the deep technology for the empathy economy. In 2009, with 249 other London entrepreneurs, we created Tech City, the first virtual city on earth. I'm also the co-founder of the data journalism industry, where an ecosystem of over 7 million journalists use data to tell evidence-based stories to the world. You'll have heard of Panama, Paradise and Pandora Papers, I'm sure. And if you're one of the 34 million citizens who consume the data stories that Flying Binary creates, stay tuned. We'll be launching the Empathy Economy's next steps very soon. Now, I didn't start my technology journey as a career choice. I failed my exams because I was caring for my mum in the final stages of aggressive cancer. I left school at 16 to keep my family together 
and my summer internship at a local aerospace company became the first steps in my career path. Age 17, I was offered a full-time apprenticeship, which involved study two nights a week and all day Saturday, alongside attempting the impossible to step into my mum's shoes. A strong work ethic runs through my Irish heritage, so that's what I did. Aerospace engineering was going to be my future. It worked. I got my degree, I won the college prize, the rest of my family was intact, and the prospect of a bright engineering future beckoned. For the second time in my career, life intervened. The idea of a woman being part of an engineering team to build the aircraft to solve noise pollution for cities across the world was a step too far for many at that time. I was instead offered a job in the computing department. That Irish work ethic kicked in again, but with an added mission. I wanted to use technology to solve the big problems for society. Could it do that? I was planning to find out. After successful technology transitions for the UK clearance system in our financial services industry, and after repeated unsuccessful attempts, I was the first ever technologist to deploy across the whole of the UK's National Health Service with a technology set. I was part of the team to deregulate the UK's energy supply and the industry, by which time I knew enough to successfully deploy technology in any sector at any scale. However, these projects didn't deliver tangible benefits to society. So where next? When our son was eight, he was given a standard assessment by his school, which evidenced visual dyspraxia, a learning difference that wasn't understood and didn't have a good prognosis for his future at school or in life. And as a family, we resolved to work with the professionals we met to contribute our technology skills to support this new cohort who learn differently. Starting with just six pupils through to a cohort of a thousand pupils, we created the technology to support this and many other learning differences. In 2009, I contributed my knowledge at a gathering of research specialists at the Royal Society, convened by Sir Tim Berners-Lee, the founder of the World Wide Web, and Flying Binary was formed that day. Eight years later, our pioneering web science work had identified how our technology could be used to unlock the talents of the cohort we'd supported from the beginning, Gen Z. Generation Z are our web entrepreneurs, and they influenced over 40% of the world's economic spend in 2020. And flying binary with our work across the world has now positively impacted over the half the world's population. At Davos in 2019, I announced that we were pivoting our deep technology to support the new generation of entrepreneurs, Gen Alpha. This cohort also included some Gen Beta entrepreneurs, the youngest of which is three. If you're raising one of these young people, technology is a tool that will bring their talents to the world. I founded the Empathy Economy in Tech City in London in 2016 to prepare our company for Brexit. I was in conversation with some of the Tech City entrepreneurs who were with us that day when we started that flying binary inclusion journey back in 2009 and I realised it was time to share the technology we'd built as an enabler to an inclusive society. So far, we've welcomed over 10 million entrepreneurs to the Empathy Economy from over 172 countries in the world. And now the next stage of the empathy economy is to deliver on the net zero agenda. 
and we'd love you to join us. The waitlist for the next cohort of Empathy Economy businesses is open and you can join us at https colon slash slash jackie dot online slash waitlist. A final word about my mum who had a positive impact on our own community in the days before the web was created. Crowds lined the funeral route to say goodbye and there were too many people to fit into the crematorium building. I've dedicated my contribution to this book to my amazing mum, Joan Hardman, and in the 16 short years she gave me a foundation that many of our young people today are not given. The empathy economy and the enabling deep technology we build delivers inclusion and is bringing the talents of all our young people to the world, leaving no one behind. Sadly lost someone special. For Joan and all we have lost in our lives. Thank you for that moment, Dr. Jackie. Gosh, two very inspirational people. Remember, we all have our strengths. Yes, we do. Have a think about it now. What are your strengths? Remember, you are incredible because you are unique. And I bet there are many, many people who find you inspirational. Yes, they do. To help, start thinking about achievements from last year, however small or large, because we always forget our achievements. I know I do. We constantly assess what we're yet to do. And I am so guilty as charged. It's easier to share this. We're in this together. So this story about perceptions from Trevor made me smile so much. And I hope it does for you too. Hello, my name's Trevor Hunt, CTO advisory at Behind Every Cloud. 30 years ago, in the 1990s, I was working for one of the largest and most well-known Japanese security firms in the world. I was based in London and responsible for all aspects of technology. Although in those days, the job title was Head of Data Processing. This was because we had a hodgepodge of different and disparate systems that required lots of manual input and re-input. We had a Wang VS word processor for the secretaries, Unix-based trading systems, PCs running Windows 3.1 for the quants and mainframes to send the data back to Tokyo. After working there for a few years, out of the blue, I received a fax from the Tokyo head office sent from the head of the systems planning department. It said, Dear Trevor San, we are carrying out a review of all our global offices systems as part of a strategic planning for the future. Please could you send us information about the systems in London? Great, I thought. Finally, we get some significant investment in our systems and we can leverage the far superior capabilities that exist in the firm globally rather than what I am trying to do here in London. So in response, I prepared a detailed memo, remember those, and faxed it back to Tokyo for input into their planning. I waited patiently, but silence. Eventually, I forgot about it and was back into the groove of day-to-day -day support. The following year, the facts reappeared. Dear Trevor San, 
We are carrying out a review of all our global offices systems as part of a strategic planning for the future. Please, could you send us information about the systems in London? Wait, did they receive my message last year? I used some of my Japanese colleagues in London to verify that was the case, and so thought maybe this planning is taking so long they, they want to be sure know the very latest status of where their plans will be implemented. Great foresight, Tokyo Systems Planning Department. You clearly know what you're doing, I thought. I duly got the previous year's memo out and updated it with the latest things we had implemented and the Vell network, network and structured cabling. But those would be insignificant, I thought, compared to the grand plans of Tokyo. Having sent the updated memo by fax, I waited patiently, but again, it was silence. Year three, the fax reappeared again. Dear Trevor-san, we are carrying out a review of all our global offices systems as part of a strategic planning for the future. Please send us information about the systems in London. Well, we had rolled out Microsoft Office in London since the previous year, together with Lotus CC Mail. Great, I thought. Let's update the memo into a PowerPoint presentation with diagrams and email it to Tokyo. Wait, there's no email address in Tokyo, so I had to fax it instead. But once again, it was silence. This process repeated for the next three years. Same outcome each year. Silence. But then finally, as part of international corporate cultural awareness programs, I was invited to Tokyo to meet my counterparts. At last, I thought, I can meet the leaders of the systems planning department and discuss their plans and understand when they will impact London. I was very enthusiastic. So after the longest flight I'd ever had and a week in an off-site training facility, where I learnt about Japanese culture, I was then in the head office of my company. Japan has always portrayed the image of being very high-tech, futuristic, and I thought to myself how fortunate I was to glimpse how the future strategy of the company would play out ultimately in London. I talked to some of the management and asked them where I could find the systems planning department. It's not here in the headquarters building, it's above a 7-Eleven convenience store two blocks away, they said. Slightly odd, I thought, but I left the office to find them. True enough, after walking two blocks, I found the 7-Eleven store, and true enough, at the back of the store was an elevator labelled Systems Planning Department. Here it is, I thought, at last, a chance to see future plans and be amazed. After a short ride to the top of the building, the doors opened to a large open plan office. Desks were orderly laid out in rows and shelves bordered the room. There was a single mainframe terminal screen in the middle of the room. All the desks appeared to have paper files on them and no technology devices. My illusions of high-tech Japan were suddenly smashed when I realised the single screen was for the whole team and usage had to be booked. And then, looking at the shelves around the room, I saw the London shelf, and on it a lever arch file with my memos and PowerPoints printed and translated. From what I could see, and what I discussed there, 
there was no grand plan for a global system strategy and the systems planning department was nothing more than an information gatherer. I returned to London disappointed, but in some ways enthused about the level of systems I had delivered to the firm with a very limited budget. So my advice here is don't wait for the grand plans. Do the best you can with what you have. So, so true. So are you thinking about a career in tech? Perhaps a move into the industry to desire to learn more? In need of a little insight on what it's like? Well, I caught up with Kelly Francis because I wanted to know her take on this. She took me through it. She said with me that you may call us the IT department, digital, tech, data, engineering, infrastructure, software, dev, sec, ops. I call lots of this stuff. But Kelly calls it her fellowship, her guild. Her first introduction to the world of technology was through a wonderful data scientist called her mum. Her and her dad bought her first computer, ZX Spectrum, in 1982. A fun fact for you, the iPhone 13 has over 100,000 more RAM than the early affordable home computer. That makes all of us laugh, doesn't it? But Kelly was sharing that she spent many hours playing on computer games and she wrote her first software on it. At school, her interest was always piqued by STEM subjects. She loved understanding how the world works. Her school years were her early years of computing. Education was a light and considered the realm of true geek. She studied computer studies. She was the only girl and it was never an issue for her or her fellow students. But being a female seemed overtly strange to her teacher. At university, she moved on to environmental science and like others, loved her studies. But she hadn't quite worked out how the degree linked to a career. After university, she got a temporary role in a software house and she fell back in love with digital technology. I can imagine Kelly, she talks about being fresh-faced and new to the world of working in her office. And her role was to do anything to make office life better and more efficient for colleagues. Covered the customer technology help desk and booked flights for executives. She took a moment to reflect and then started to tell me about the people she'd met. And she was really drawn to software engineers. They were smart, interesting, happy to teach about their vocation. She loved the development team and she felt like at home. So she decided to self-study. And I'm sure many of you out there have done this yourself, which is why I was really keen to share Kelly's story. She learned about databases and programming. The logical structure suited her brain and she found her fellow engineers with her type of people. The community opened its arms to her and welcomed her in, which was absolutely wonderful. And she joined an internal training program and rotated through all the disciplines of the technology department. She had a thirst to learn and was greeted with generosity of colleagues who answered questions, pointed to resources, and that's how she learned her craft. Kelly shared that she never looked back. She's surrounded by polymaths, people with talent for combining business knowledge and abstract logic. People who are able to hold multiple ideas in their head at the same time. 
a function where teamwork is essential. People have been wonderful to Kelly. Generous, open, collaborative and fun. More than 20 years later, she's still passionate about being part of this community. And I take you back to the start. Her words are, she found her fellowship. I love this. Such a boost. You can change, you can learn. And thanks to all of you who are accompanying others on their change in the journey. So thank you, Kelly, for sharing that. Follow your heart. But what happens if your heart's a little stuck? Or your heart's there, but you just don't know how to proceed? What next? How do I unlock it? Most people at some point in their career or life reach a point when they ask themselves, what next? For a lucky few, the answer to that question is easy. But for many of us, it can remain unanswered, leading to inertia, frustration or discontent. My name is Zoe Morris and I'm president of Frank Recruitment Group, which is a company that helps thousands of technology professionals to find a new job. This is perhaps the most obvious way to answer that what next question, but we know it isn't the only solution if you're looking for career fulfillment. Many of our candidates have found that having a mentor or being a mentor can provide them with a renewed sense of passion and purpose. In 2021, we launched an initiative called Mentor Me, that matches women across the technology industry with a more experienced professional in their field for a six-month programme of mentoring. Our first cohort featured 20 matched pairs, all from very different backgrounds and with very different expectations about what they hoped the programme might bring them. For some, it was about making their next career move, but for others, it was about making more of a role they were already in, finding ways to hone their expertise build their interpersonal skills, or even bring elements of an outside passion or hobby into their working life. Since the programme began, several of our mentees have started a new role or taken on new responsibilities. Others have gained valuable technical certifications. A couple have found a new audience for their blogs and posts about their experiences as women in tech and have been invited to take part in seminars and podcasts as a result. For many of our mentors, the experience has been just as rewarding. A way to make a difference and a reminder of the skills and experiences they can share. If you're asking yourself, what next? Then I would encourage you to first ask, what do I currently have? Mentoring can be a powerful way of taking stock. As one of our mentees put it, it has made me think about the hard questions and even harder answers. It's a great experience to connect with other people hear about amazing experiences and go home with great advice. Whether you're a mentee or mentor, the experience can help you build on the skills you have. So when the next opportunity presents itself, you're ready. Zoe Morris, President, Frank Recruitment Group. Thank you so much, Zoe. Let's take her advice and ask yourself, what do I currently have? I know every day tends to end up in a juggling competition and this can have a massive impact on our energy levels. There's lots of books on this, but you know, what about practical tips to help give us a boost? So let's finish this boost chapter with some va-va-voom. Sometimes things go wrong. 
but never stop believing in yourself. Crystal Haeckler, Technology Leader. We all have our different paths in life. Find your purpose. This will lead you to your path and you'll find true peace and happiness. Sean Sadler, an IT leader, taking one day at a time. Never spoil a good day by thinking about a bad day. And smile. Neil Young, Senior Test Analyst, Red Rock. My golden nugget is focus on the journey, not the destination. Often a big challenge or goal seems daunting. You wonder, how will I achieve that outcome when faced with all these challenges? Sure, you must visualize where you need to get to, but to get there, focus on the journey, not the destination. After all, the best way to climb a challenging mountain like Kilimanjaro is one step at a time and in stages as you overcome each difficulty, setback and test of your resilience. This is particularly true for the final summit night climb, when you must dig deep to find the reserves and mental stamina to push yourself up the final slopes. You focus on getting to each checkpoint, knowing that you are getting closer and closer. And as the sun rises above the clouds below you, you arrive at the crater rim. You get that adrenaline shot and confidence boost. Yes, I'm going to do it. Phil Brunkard, CIO, Executive Partner and Senior Analyst with Forrester Research. People often ask me about finding a mentor or they ask me to mentor them. Mentors are everywhere. Just observe people working around you, reflect on what you can learn from them and how you can apply it. Melanie Rose, Senior Leader in IT Delivery and Service Management. Thanks, Melanie, for that top tip. We're four chapters in and let's shift gears. It's time to embrace change. If you'd like to assist Cancer Central, please donate directly or visit nuggetstore.co.uk and buy your physical copy of the book, Tech, Treats and Treasures. Thank you. I love it.